We're diving into the world of science now with ABC Science Editor Jonathan Webb. Good morning, Jonathan. Nice to have you back. Nice to be here, PK. So first of all, we need an answer to our Friday brain teaser and you can't deliver an answer without reminding people of the question. So here it is. My aunt bought a car in 1980 for $40,000. That's a very expensive car. I'm sort of staggered by the price. It depreciated in value by 10% every year until 2000. Then it started to increase in value by 10% every year. Ended the vintage stakes clearly. In 2020, was the car worth more, less or the same as when it was purchased? Jonathan, take it away. It's worth quite a lot less, PK, uh, and we had a lot of correct answers on the text line. Uh, Jim, Nick and Rob among the first. A couple of Jonathans texted in the correct, stand- correct answer, you. which Your is people. nice to see. Um, maybe it was an unrealistic starting price. I was born in 1981, so obviously I have no idea what cars cost in 1980, but I should have looked it up. Um, the principle here is that if you take 10% off a number and then you put 10% back on to that new lower number, you never get quite quite back up to the starting number. Uh, you actually, if you do it once, you end up with 99% of the total value. But we've done this 20 times over, over the, 20, the, the 40 years in this hypothetical situation. So you actually end up with a car that's worth between thirty-two dollars and $33,000 uh, in, in 2020, as per the question. So well done to everyone who texted in the right answer. And, and you know, congratulations on being rich enough to buy a $40,000 car <laughs> in 19... <laughs> Someone suggested it must have been a Porsche, man. Maybe it was. Fancy, fancy. All right, sticking to the Toyota Corolla. Um, a, a study from the Netherlands offers one of the most detailed surveys to date of the of the way a baby's microbium develops in the first months of life. Now, this includes the contentious issue of whether cesarean births affect the way babies inherit helpful b- bacteria from their mothers, which anyone who's had a baby is certainly across that research. What did the researchers discover? Yeah, it is a very interesting study, especially for for new parents who are aware of that, well, the many sort of over-the-top pressures that seem mm. like they're put on put on birthing parents these days from uh, from you know being encouraged to breastfeed through to the importance of a, of a vaginal birth so this is a really interesting survey there were 120 mums and babies involved all uh, in the Netherlands as you said and they tracked the bacterial populations for 30 days from birth in various locations in the baby, so the gut microbiome, the bacteria on the skin, the nose and the mouth to get a sense of what was in the respiratory system. They also sampled them in a, in a bunch of locations in the, in the mums, and they found that different parts of the mums' microbiome seed effectively different parts of the babies. They make different contributions to different parts of the baby's sort of bacterial population. But regardless of the way the babies were born, there were differences from cesarean births, which we can get to, but there effectively seems to be what you could call a starter pack of bacteria that is that comes from the mother to the baby that amounts to about 60% of the baby's microbiome, no matter how they are born. So it can come from different different places. It could come from the respiratory system, from breastfeeding. doesn't all have to come from uh, from the vagina during a, a vaginal birth, a caesarean section birth, especially if the baby's breastfed. Can still, the baby can still get a lot of the microbiome from the mum. And it's just, this is one of the more complicated surveys that we've had to date showing what those different contributions are. 
Mm, that's interesting. Th- these researchers in the Netherlands are going to keep following up, um, as researchers do, over the next couple of years. What's, what's next? Where does this take us? So among the things that we know can be affected by, or you know, we're getting more and more of a picture of what the microbiome influences in our health. And things like allergies we know could be connected. Uh, asthma can, there's a suggestion that asthma can be affected by your microbiome. So they're going to follow up these babies and see whether the, any differences they can see in the seeding of the microbiome from the mothers in this case uh, will have an effect on their longer term health as they develop. And there's another open question here, and there are studies going on around the world looking into this. It's a big question, including here in Australia, is where does the other 40% come from? Mm. If 60% of a baby's microbiome comes from mum, then where's everything? Where is, what are the other key contributions? Obviously, the environment is full of bacteria and there are lots of ways that a baby can populate its microbiome. Um, but what role does do, do dads or, or partners play? What role do siblings play? Pets in the household obviously might be involved. So there's a lot of work going on in this space, but this study in particular will be following up those 120 babies to see what the sort of signals are, what kind of health effects can we see from those differences. But it's a really interesting study that I think does provide some solace to parents who have had a C-section birth in terms of that key microbiome contribution. There are differences, and obviously the the vaginal uh, back bacterial population of the mum is one thing that the baby doesn't get if they're not doesn't don't arrive via a vaginal birth but there are lots of other ways that uh, they can populate their microbiome especially once they start solids and especially if they are breastfeeding so a really interesting area of research and there's a great story about this up on the abc news website by my colleague janelle wiley excellent okay just one more early this week we heard from uk researchers about how clever honeybees are including learning from each other to solve a puzzle the story blew my mind it's very clever honeybees and today in the journal Science, another study also describes how bees can learn from each other. This time they're learning to dance. What are we talking about here? So this, I think, PK, is a really interesting companion piece to what you heard about uh, earlier in the week. That was quite an artificial situation, right? The, the bees were being taught to solve a puzzle in the lab and they were actually learning how to solve it from each other. This study, I think, shows why that capability might be there in the honeybees because it's useful for them to be able to learn stuff from each other in a social way in their own environment because dancing is a key skill for a honeybee. People have probably heard of the waggle dance. It's the way that bees, when they come back to the hive, communicate to the other bees where they've just gone and found some juicy nectar. They'll dance and indicate a direction and a distance by the way that they move and the way that they sort of dance back and forth. So what these researchers did was create a colony of bees that hadn't been able to see older bees dancing. They basically took one-day-old bees and started a whole separate colony that wasn't able to sort of learn from the way older bees dance in the hive. And they found that those bees danced, they still danced, so there is some element of it that is innate but they danced less accurately. So they were, they were kind of bad dancers. They weren't able to give as clear an indication of either the direction or the, or the distance of a food source via their dancing. And they actually, that deficit was there for life. They were kind of bad dancers for life. They improved, but they were always behind the situation that you see in a normal colony where the bees are able to do some sort of social learning where they see other pe- other bees doing this waggle dance and they learn a bit about the parameters and how to do it. So it's a really interesting 
companion piece to that study, I think, earlier in the week, showing that social learning is not just something that, you know, vertebrates with big brains do. It's something bees definitely do, and it could be really useful for them uh, in the hive. Ah, oh, those bees. I always knew they were special. Um, Jonathan, um, we've spent a, a decent amount of time going through very good science stories. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, PK. Dr. Jonathan Webb, the ABC's, well, RN's and the ABC's science editor. You can read more about the, the, the baby study and subscribe to a weekly newsletter from the science unit in the science section of the ABC News website. And you should. I mean, I, I urge you to. I'm a big subscriber to all of these things. Uh, if you forget to go to the website, it's just in your inbox. ABC RN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app. Hi, podcasters. Just thought I'd give a quick shout out to The Science Show. I read your text so I know you all love a good science story. Of course you do. So check out The Science Show with the fabulous Robin Williams on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.